Welcome to the Interviews Podcast. Welcome, Interisti, to episode 12 of the Interviews Podcast. We are here to recap today's game. Salernitana Inter 1-1 at the Stadio Arecchi, refereed by Michael Fabri, with goals from Robin Gosens in the sixth minute, and, of course, our old friend Antonio Candreva coming back to haunt us in the 90th minute. As always, I am part of your co-hosting duo. My name is Alessandro Rafa, joined here by the infiltrator, Johnny Paterno, and we have a, a very special guest on the pod today. Johnny, I'll let you, uh, since you set this up, I'll let you uh, bring our man in. Yeah, I decided since this was uh, not the most fun game, but this guy was fun to talk to in spaces, that I would send him an invite since he's been so gracious to invite me on his show with Interworldwide. It's Judge Mo. Mo, how you doing, buddy? Not doing good. <laughs> I'm not doing good. It's not a good day to be an interista, guys. Uh, full of rage, uh, full of hate, f- not full of love for this Inter team. Yeah, it hasn't been a good day to be an Inter fan in, in quite a while. But as always, we will break it down here for you guys. Um, so, you know, my main thoughts coming into today were there's there's really three things that made this match as important as it was. The first thing was we're coming off an obviously very emotional Derby d'Italia um, that a lot of people, including myself, felt could be uh, a catalyst for us in order to turn our season to turn our season around. Um, it's been a lot of you know poor form and. Just the fact that we were able to battle back and get that point in the Coppa Italia against a, a hated rival, um, and especially you know coming to to bat for our brother Lukaku, it felt like that could be had all the makings of something that could be a catalyst to turn our team around. So that was one of the things that um, I felt good about coming into this game. The next thing that made it so important was obviously given our 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 race for the top four here. We knew Milan was going to be resting people against the uh, against Empoli, um, and we also know that Lazio Juventus is coming up. So in terms of just head to head with what's going on with the people that are the teams that are surrounding us, made this game very important. And then obviously, we've got a Champions League tie coming up away from home against Benfica. You don't want to go into that game. Uh, in poor form, right? One game is one game, but having a big victory is a is a good way to keep the vibes around the team high uh, going into a really important game. That did not happen today, guys. That did not happen today. In fact, it ended in uh, in a heartbreaker um, with, you can call it a fluke goal, you can call it whatever you want. I'm sure we'll talk about this specific action today, but what what are you guys feeling after uh, a tough ninety minutes like that? Where in the first half we very easily could have been up three nothing, and then time and time again, what we see from this team is that things can quickly fall apart if uh, if it doesn't go our way. You want to go first, Mo? I was gonna let you uh, since you're the guest, you know. Uh, basically, this game. Uh I was watching this game and I expected us to walk Salernitana. Salernitana aren't great. Uh, on paper, we should be beating Salernitana more than 2-3-0. And also, the stats in the game prove that we should beat Salernitana. But the, the fragile mentality of this team, the uh, unwillingness to put the effort in all the aspects of the game at the end, and also the coaching mistakes that happened proved to be costly and just one thing about this team is that i don't think the team cares as much as us fans however some players play from the heart i do want to generalize someone like darmian i think plays from the heart at sherby is trying everything you gotta give credit to the people that actually you see putting and leaving their heart on the pitch uh, but other players they don't deserve to wear the jersey they should have left they should have been sold in the summer because they don't deserve to wear the jersey the coach 
as well is a coach that is not up to the level. The problem is this is Inter and Inter are big. Inter are a big club. We are one of the biggest clubs in the world, but we are treating our club, not us, the owners, the players, the coach, we are treating the club as a mediocre participation club. And it was reflected in this game in every aspect. Yeah, I mean, I completely agree. Like, just watching that and, and seeing the wasted chances that we had and, and not seeing any sense of urgency, it's like they almost felt comfortable with a 1-0 lead, even though they should know by now that no lead is safe with this club. Um, I'm surprised that, you know, a lot of opportunities weren't finished. You know, Lukaku missed chances. Although I will say I felt like he was the only attacker creating anything, even though he can't score. Um, he was the only one really, I mean, trying anything different. So I, I'll give him respect for that. I mean, I think he still needs to get that whatever that weight off his shoulders and, and be able to finally you know bury one in there without it being a penalty um the midfield although i felt like we controlled the game it just felt like there was again no sense of urgency i agree on dardamian i i, I mean i reluctantly agree on a because he's not really my favorite player but i will agree that you know that he is you know seems to be trying himself and onana i mean yes it was a mistake i'm not going to defend it you know that's something that shouldn't happen especially of a goalkeeper of that caliber um, but I tweeted right after it that, you know, now Onana's going to be blamed for this this tie, which, you know, had he not made some saves, some secure saves earlier in the game that he held on to where, you know, might have been rebounds in other aspects, uh, it may not even been a good situation. And had we buried the other chances we had, that goal, even though still a howler, it wouldn't have mattered anyway. So, I mean... I feel bad for the guy because he's really masking a lot of deficiencies in our defense. But uh, hey, you know what? At the end of the day, it still was a mistake, so I can't I can't defend that either. Yeah, yeah. So obviously, a lot to talk about. And Mo, I, I definitely want to get into the mentality a bit um, that this club has because I completely agree with you. Um, there is a lot of small club mentality about about some of the uh, actions that we're taking, but in order to really tell that story we need to start from the first minute of this match right so getting into the game i think um everyone was pretty happy that there was a certain name on the on the starting sheet today and that was aslani who came into the game and showed that whatever whoever is behind him being on the bench for the majority of the season has lost the plot a little bit because that kid has a lot of quality. He can play, you know, behind the ball. He can play a little bit further up the field. There was a couple times where him and Barella actually switched positions. And it was Barella, you know, bringing the ball out from deep and combining with Aslani. The kid just has so, so much talent that... Um, when you think to recent performances and you think about Mkhitaryan losing the ball and, you know, Brozovic especially, which we'll get into him because he did not come on with the right mentality in the second half. This kid is an option that our midfield could desperately have needed throughout the, you know, throughout the entirety of this campaign. It's, it's quite shocking to watch what he was able to do in that first 45 minutes and then to think about how little we've seen of him. The problem is that Brozovic is a big player. And when Brozovic got injured, Inzaghi was scared to play Aslani. So he moved Handa, uh, uh, Hakan to be the guy, the deepest line playmaker, which is the Regista for Inter. He doesn't trust him, which is something he's the coach. However, if you're going to bring him, and I want to talk about today and today only, if you have a kid that you know you're not starting on Tuesday against Benfica, why didn't you leave him for 90 minutes? How idiotic can you be? Like, what are your trail of thoughts thinking that, yes, this is a guy that played 67 minutes, and I'm going to bring him out, and he has been the best player on the pitch, bar Lukaku, probably, even with the chance missed, by the way. Lukaku, I agree with Gianni, was the best player on the pitch for Inter. Uh, Inzaghi somehow doesn't like this player. For a reason, I don't think it's a footballing reason. It's the first time I say, I say this, by the way. I did a lot of show, uh, shows with Jani about this since the beginning of the season. And it's the first time ever to say this. There is something in the background between Aslani and Inzaghi because there is no footballing reason that you wouldn't play Aslani any game, even the dead games. Even before Champions League, you wouldn't play him. There is a reason, and I don't know the reason because I'm not on the training ground and I'm not in the dressing room. But 
you have to have you have to ask questions how does it after today's performance how didn't aslani have more minutes before why are we relying on Mkhitaryan, Barella, and Hakan during the injury of Brozovic in every single minute? I don't get it, and I didn't get it, and I didn't get it today, and I know that within the next 10 games in the season, we're not going to get it, and we're not going to understand it. Exactly. Like When I look at, at his performance, and we did say the same thing in spaces, like you know he's not going to play on Tuesday. Even if, not, not even start. He's probably not even going to be a name called off the bench. We're going to look to Gagliardini first for whatever reason. So why not just let him play 90 minutes? And the thing that makes me makes me insane, Aslani comes off first, Barella comes off first, but Mkhitaryan, the 34-year-old, is left on for whole, the whole 90 minutes. Like, I, I just don't understand what Inzaghi's thinking. I, I, I almost feel like he wants to, to tank this season as bad as it can be because maybe he already knows he's on the way out and he's like, what do I care? I'll just ruin this club that I don't even care about because they didn't give me the reinforcements I wanted. And again, this is my conspiracy theorist speaking, not really like on any factual evidence, but it just doesn't make sense why you wouldn't play Aslani based on what we saw today. The kid has loads of talent and potential. Had he been getting this amount of minutes from the beginning of the season, who knows what type of player we would have available to us right now. But I mean, I, it doesn't make sense why Inzaghi has zero faith in him. You know, he continues to, to make substitutions that make no sense. And on to, the, <clears throat> on to the Aslani point of what is going on in the background. I think, you know, we don't know, Mo, like you said, we don't know if there's something going on in the dressing room. But what could, hap- what could be happening or what could have happened, you know, the entirety of the season up until this point is that Inzaghi likely wasn't looking to bring in Aslani. So he may have been trying to send a message to the directors that I can do it with these players. I didn't need Aslani. And now the season has become so untenable for Nzagi that he's forced to sort of give minutes to to Aslani, um, who looked amazing out there. And then in terms of the substitution, why bring him off? I agree with you. And it's almost like his mentality after seeing us miss chance after chance early to start that second half is that, okay, he probably decided we're not going to score, so I'm going to bring off Aslani, bring on Gagliardini and Brozovic and try to lock the game down, which was a horrible, horrible game plan because Aslani and Barella were the only ones that created were creating anything. Aslani was you know, spraying the ball out to Gosens, who was making runs. He was the only one looking for Gosens' runs on the, the goal that we scored in the sixth minute. He's the one that provided the ball for Lukaku for him to head it back over into Gosens, you know, into space. The only player that had any sort of creative ability on the field was Aslani, yet he gets hauled off in the 65th minute, whatever it was. Um, Really, really, you know, disgusting substitution there. And to continue on with what we saw in the first half from this team, they were playing collectively. They were playing with composure. There was a sense of calm, even with all the missed chances. Um, And I do think that we approached that, that first 45 minutes pretty well um i have to also mention i know this is you know uh, a player that has been much maligned including by me but korea linked up well with gosens uh when he was drifting out wide he did drop deep a few times to combine with the midfielders you know i know that he's not been a great option for us but for me having a striker that can play a little bit deeper and is able to bring the ball up and combine with the midfielders is something that we've sorely lacked uh, this season in the way that our tactics our tactics have sort of just fallen apart. That striker link-up has been a major problem. Yeah, one of the things I wanted to add about the Aslani and the substitutions before we go into the game is that before the 67th minute, Inter had 60% of the ball position. And then after Inzaghi made the substitutions that overall percentage was 54% to Salernitana to 46%. Uh, So that means that the people he brought on actually invited pressure, which is supposed to be the opposite of what you do in these situations. One of the things that I noticed today is that Inzaghi didn't know what was happening on the pitch. Salernitana was doing one thing, which is trying to cross from the sides, and he couldn't stop it. And he didn't make any substitutions to stop it. Bringing DeMarco, who isn't strong defensively, instead of Gosens, when you have the wing backs and the wingers of Salernitana trying to cross in every single opportunity, is something that I can get my hand around. Uh, 
I think it's strange. He made substitutions that don't make sense and he made the game worse. And we paid. So it's on him. Yes, players miss chances. But even when they miss chances, they were still 1-0. They didn't miss chances at 1-1. They didn't miss chances at 0-0. They missed chances and it was still 1-0. So Inzaghi today with the substitutions ruined the game for Inter. We could have cruised even with 1-0 if we had the right players on the pitch. And Johnny, quickly before you jump in, I, I also want to touch on that Gosin substitution for DiMarco. I agree that DiMarco wasn't the right move there, but I do believe that Gosin's had to come off the pitch for one reason only. He's not as fit as he needs to be heading into that Champions League match. I would like to see him play the majority of that Champions League match, but what I would have done is would have brought on uh, Bellanova even to play on that left-hand side or even you know bring in D'Ambrosio to replace uh, Darmian at the right center back and have Darmian go out to the left-hand side because like you said even you know we see with Candreva's you know half cross half shot thing the way Di Marco was defending being five yard giving Candreva five yards of space I mean we've we've watched Candreva his his whole career you know he, he was at Inter the guy, if you give him space, he's gonna he's gonna put it into a dangerous position. He's gonna put it into a dangerous position. Um, and the way he defended that was terrible. But yeah, I I agree that um, that uh, you know a, a substitution needed to be made there, but it was the wrong call. Yeah, I mean, it, but it, it feels like it's always wrong calls with this guy. You know, like how does Dumfries play ninety minutes week in and week out? Like, I just don't understand, like, what it is that, that this guy sees in him, what it is that he's doing. And I, I don't know if he has, like, one of Inzaghi's kids hostage or something. It just doesn't make sense to me. And then, to like you said, to make the substitution that goes in, the guy was phenomenal defensively. Yes, he wasn't the best with crossing the ball and, and pushing it forward. And he really was, you know, having some, you know, just lim limitations in his offensive game. He's good at getting in the box. Obviously, we saw with the goal, he is able to finish pretty strongly for the most part. Um... But even like taking him off, I agree. It should have been someone like D'Ambrosio coming on and then you moving Darmian around or you bring on Bellanova who, again, I don't know what the kid has to do. You know, we saw how he was better in Fiorentina than what we saw all game from Dumfries. And then the kid still can't even be brought on in a, in a situation where at the time we were up one nothing, and we could have just, you know, had him on to provide some pace, provide an outlet, maybe someone who... Lukaku could have used the way he used to work with Hakimi, you know, where he kind of releases the ball on the wing and he's able to just run on and, and go to it. But, you know, we, this kid, I, I feel bad for him. Like, just send him back to Cagliari. You don't want him to play? Just send him back. Like, he, he could have had better experience in Serie B and, and develop more. And then Cagliari could have made probably a bigger profit off him because we clearly don't know how to develop any of these young kids that we have in our, in our squad. So, Alessandro, you liked Korea today, from my understanding. That's what you liked, Ali. In the in the first half, uh, I thought that he was combining well with Gosens down down the left hand side for sure. Yeah, I, I still think that Korea is giving us twenty percent of what he should be doing, even with that. Uh, I thought Korea today he got a pity minutes to be honest against Salernitana because Inzaghi thought the game is easy, and because we have a Champions League game. I don't think Korea should play for the club. I think he should be option off the bench if we're winning 2-3-0 because I don't think he puts in the effort enough to be a starter or even a substitution player for Inter. This is just my opinion about Korea. I think the kid doesn't want to play football anymore, at least for us. Yeah, no, it's hard to argue that, and that's been the case all season. I, I thought, you know, the reason I said that was I we're so used to it being a pathetic performance where even something like close to, uh, you know, 20% of what he has was actually a positive, especially given, you know, the way that we've been playing recently. So I agree with you on that point. In terms of the rest of the players on the pitch in the first 45, um, there were definitely some zeros. Uh, Dumfries... Could not get anything going. We've had that conversation a million times. Mikidarian, there were a couple times where he broke into space in the final third, um, but the decisions that he made almost kind of killed our our offense. Um, and it wasn't the right, you know, I don't know whether it was the movement of the players ahead of him or whatever decision he made. Um, but Mikidarian at this point in time is not offering us anything. Barella as well. Um, 
not much to say about him in that first half. He wasn't involved in the best that we did. Uh, It was more Aslani. The other thing that I noticed in that first half is the way that we play is different when it's not Acerbi in the middle and when it is De Vrij. When Acerbi is out on the left, he's way less effective than he is in the middle. He feels very comfortable bringing the ball out, out of uh, the back in that middle position, but that De Vrij-Acerbi combination wasn't working well in terms of our, our deep-lying buildup, and it forced players like Aslani and Barella to drop deep and sort of recycle possession um, to get things going for us. See, and I, I saw it. But Inzaghi doesn't realize this. This is one of the things. Inzaghi doesn't realize this because we kept pushing the ball to the left towards that Sherby that first half. Yes, we controlled the, the ball, but Salernitana defended. Sorry, sorry for coming No, no, off, you're good, uh, you're good. Uh, no. Gianni. But tactically, I'm thinking, well, Darmian is better offensively than Acerbi. Yeah, Acerbi was good offensively three years ago. <laughs> at Lazio, but not anymore. Darmian is better offensively, so push the ball to the right side. But because we have Dumfries, <laughs> the non-footballing player on the pitch, the no-brain player on the pitch who shouldn't be a footballer, I think we killed both sides. Because as you said, Gosens is not great in crossing. Gosens is great in late runs. So you will need a right back that can cross the ball. But we didn't. Yes, it happened in the goal, but done other than this it's done it was through to Lukaku or Korea trying to break the lines or even Mkhitaryan but that Acherby on the left as much as I like Acherby at Inter this year but he is not the same guy three years ago Inzaghi still thinks it's the same Acherby that used to run 67 yards and cross the ball it's not the same guy yeah I agree I mean it's he seems to think that He's got Bastoni on the field at times. It feels like when he puts him in that left center back position and that he ha- he allows him the freedom to go forward. I get truly nervous, though, when he pushes too far forward because he does not have the pace to get back. So if he doesn't have somebody back there covering for him, which fortunately, I mean, Gozins is a little more responsible defensively than we ever get with Di Marco. It, 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 I guess it allows him a little bit more freedom to be cavalier like that. But I just don't I don't feel comfortable at all when he's doing those runs and stuff and. Yes, probably for the most part of the season, Acerbi's been our best defender, but I just, I feel like he really offers nothing offensively. So why, like you said, well, why do we keep pushing that way? And it's unfortunately, it's because we have Denzel Dumfries as the right wing back. So, Yeah, so it seems to be that um, despite our first half of dominance, there were definitely um, a different, different things that we could have done in terms of how we set up for today while also keeping Tuesday in mind. Because, you know, let's be real, every other team that's in the Champions League from Italy is it was doing the same thing this week. Um, so first half ends with our, us scoring a goal. We have, uh, you know, a couple chances where Memo Ochoa was able to get to them. I think we made him... We made it look, you know, a little... It was too easy for him. On the Korea header, you know, there was no power behind it. Um, Lukaku, you know, putting it right right where uh, Ochoa wants it. But that's a, a sign of things to come. Because in the second half, we start, you know, on the front foot. Um, really trying to actually do something. The other thing that comes to mind quickly um, when thinking about how we created our chances offensively... How much better did we look from set pieces today with Aslani's delivery into the box? We looked much more dangerous. It's been forever since we've scored a set piece, but those corners were whipped in and it felt like we were getting on the end of him on the end of them every single time, right? We didn't have success, but you know, even from a set piece perspective, Aslani showed a lot more in that regard than we've seen from uh, you know, from Hakan and from Di Marco. Well, when you get to sit on the bench all all season, right? And you just get to you know, practice by yourself. You know, maybe you just do whipping uh, corner kicks by yourself since you have no one really to practice with and, and no one really to to prepare for games. But you know, so it, I mean, it definitely did look more uh, positive from him, um, especially given those in. I haven't felt really confident with Hakan delivering those corners in pr- pretty much all season. To be quite honest, he hasn't been the same player that he was last year. And I think last year he was rescued a lot by you know guys being able to get on th- on the end of it and, and fortunately be able to score. That's definitely been a weakness of ours this season. So it, it definitely did show a little bit more promise come from Aslani. Um, but we all know what's going to happen. He's going to be banished to the bench anyway. So thank you for that that good cameo and and good luck on next season. You know Christian, maybe you'll maybe you'll get a, new, a manager who appreciates you. 
one of the things that impressed me today, just a small thing that uh, Aslani doesn't play, and we all hear the people that play football and even people that watch football, you know that something called match fitness, which is the touches on the pitch. And Aslani didn't get a lot of minutes this season. However, from the beginning, from the first minute, and throughout all the time he played today, he looked like he has been playing every week. He looked yeah. very comfortable, crossing, passing, covering, running. And that is something that you don't see a lot. Of, even Brozovic, when he came back from the injury, it took him a game or two to come back to the Brozovic we know. So Aslani today, the deliveries, the passing, the running, the positioning, it looks like he has been playing for a while. So I'm just going to echo Gianni and say, what if this guy has been playing for more than this this season? What if? I mean, it, yeah. it, it, it's, it's ridiculous, really. Like, look at him. And like you said, yeah, the match fitness, like, he looked hungry today. He looked like he wanted to prove a point. Every touch, he was demanding the ball, wanting to bring it up and, and be the, the playmaker, the deep-lying playmaker. You know, it's, it's a shame. It's a shame that nothing that this poor kid can do is going to earn him any opportunities here, but nothing's yeah. going to change. Yeah, Aslani and Gosins were the only players today that looked like they were fighting for their spot on the field and to be frank they you know they showed enough to me at least to um to believe that they deserve to be out there so the story of the second half we miss a few opportunities a couple off of off of uh set pieces um a lautaro breakaway which you know i know he doesn't have great speed but there's even ways to position yourself as a dribbler to be able to get a little bit more than a shot right down the middle at ochoa in that in that specific instance but this is something that is emblematic of what has been happening to Inter during this entire this entire run. If we aren't able to put away that that second chance, if we aren't able to have things go the right way and we face a little bit of adversity, after we miss those those few big chances at the start of the second half, the mentality became, okay, it's not going to happen for us. Let's just try to close up. And we basically, like you said, Mo, you know, earlier in the, in the pod, we seeded the game to Salernitana. We let them grow into the game. We let them have the confidence that something was going to turn around for them. And it had to do with the mentality on the pitch. It had to do with the substitutions that Inzaghi made, bringing on Brozovic and, and Gagliardini, who are not, you know, Brozovic, yes, you can use him for possession. But if you're going to give me a midfield of Brozovic, Mkhitaryan, and Gagliardini, even Salernitana's midfield is one that I'd expect to have a little bit of success and for them to be able to grow into the game. So, you know, it really did feel after we weren't able to put away those few chances that the goal was coming. It, it was inevitable. Yeah, uh, uh, w w one thing in the second half that I, I, I wanted to touch on is, is the amount of chances we create in the second half. Uh, people would look at the result and say, yeah, we were under pressure. No, actually, our XG was better second half. Statistically, we actually were better second half than the first half, especially that early 30 minutes. It was simple. We created a lot of chances. We had clear-cut opportunities. That header from Lukaku, two feet uh, uh, he missed it two feet away, like in, inside the six yard. That was kind of strange to me. Uh, he went down with his head in when, when it, he could have just touched it with his foot. Uh, Lautaro, which is someone I don't rate. I don't think he's a top striker. Uh, it's not, as you said, Ali, it's not only about the uh, uh, the pace. You can position yourself, put that defender in the, on your back. So if, he t if they touch you, you go down. It's a record at least. But he didn't do all of this. He chose to chip a goalie that didn't even come out of his goal. Ochoa didn't even come out, and he chose to chip him with his left foot. And he just kept going Poor to the left. And it did, like, that's what drove me crazy. Yeah, for some reason. He's a right-footed player that kept going to the left. I said the touch was outside. It was kind of strange. Uh, we let Salernitana play, and our coach let Salernitana play, and our coach let Salernitana cross 12 times in about 10 minutes. So more than across a minute. And we're supposed to be Inter, and they're supposed to be Salernitana. Uh it's not only on the on Inzaghi as well, but the players too. I want to just say that out loud that they have to put the chances away. But again, all these chances were at one nil, and the second half until the last minute or until like ninety first minute, you were winning the game. Literally, you were winning the game. Did the goal get in the ninety first? I think minute? it was the 89th. Ninetieth. Ninetieth minute. Okay. Ninth. Yeah. Yeah. Ninetieth minute. So we were winning the game. So you couldn't close the game down. You made the wrong subs, and everything went downhill. And 
now we're not in a good position for top four but because other teams are not doing great we are in, uh, we're okay we look okay somehow we're still fourth somehow maybe not tomorrow we're not going to be fourth but the second half wasn't bad as much before the substitutions it wasn't yeah like yeah sorry go ahead alessandro uh, i was just gonna say um you know when you look at other teams when they have a poor run of form we've seen it with milan this year we've seen it with juventus this year we haven't seen it with napoli but for us it's been such an extended run of form that for me to believe like you know when milan and juve were going through it for me to believe that a change wasn't going to happen if it was extended to this length the way that it is with inter that's not that's how top clubs operate. If you're this bad or you're this poor for this long, a change is made. But we've been subject to the same style of play, the same decision making for way way too long. This is no longer a run of bad form. This is who we are now. This is the the team that we are now, and it's not going to change unless a change is made. We are not going to miraculously start playing better. Our strikers are not going to miraculously start putting the ball in the back of the net. It's just not how it happens. I understand if it's a period of five or six games where you know you're playing poorly. It's been two months now. It's been two months of this in a crucial run of games. The only thing that I believe is the reason why, you know, we haven't made a change is because of that that Champions League tie that we went through with with Porto. The only reason is because we are playing a quarterfinal game on Tuesday. That's it. I, I want to add something to to Ali before before Gianni comes in. Uh, by the way, when Milan had a bad form, they had the three players in the spine of their team injured: Tomori, Manian, and Ben Nasser. Just to put perspective, okay? When Milan had this seven game of not win and they lost five, they didn't have their three main players in that spine. But we have everybody, other uh, bar uh, uh, Screener. But we have played without Screener before. So we have everybody fit for the first time other than Screener. And we're still not playing good. Just wanted to add this because other teams, they had injuries. We don't. <laughs> and Mo. The other point about when Milan turned their their bad run of form around, Pioli made changes to the lineup. He changed completely the formation. He changed the players that were playing. He was proactive. That's not been emblematic of what we've seen from Inzaghi to try to get out of this. He's putting the onus on players that at some point in time, it has to be, okay, this is not working. We need to change something. Even if you want to keep a three at the back, there's ways to change the way your midfield is configured. There's ways to change the way your strikers are configured. Any top coach, and you watch it over and over, the best the best coaches in the world, they change things when it's time to change things. And we, it almost seems like Inzaghi doesn't have the capability to be able to put a different formation out there as if he doesn't know a single other tactic. Allegri and Pioli, both under fire at points this season, both made changes to the way their teams played and they were able to get out of it. How is this possible at a top club? Johnny, how is this possible? Well, I mean, to be to be fair, Simone Inzaghi is the next Italian super coach if you ask Nima. So, you know, clearly he's going to figure it out at some point. But all kidding aside, like this guy has been given chance after chance after chance to make changes, to make changes to the formation, to make changes to the, the personnel that he utilizes and he beats into the ground. You know, we keep saying like, oh, he's going to learn eventually. And just when you think he's turning a corner, he's going to figure it out. He reverts to the same things, poor substitutions, poorly timed substitutions. He Sometimes he'll wait too late till the team already responds and makes it 1-1 or 2-2, whatever it may be. And then he decides to be reactionary to those those things. It's it's a, such a frustrating aspect when everybody, whether you are a fan, whether you're, you're at the game, whether you're watching on TV, everybody can sense it. Everybody can feel it. They see it. How does your manager, who's right there, not recognize that these things are happening and that it's already like you're breaking, you're breaking, you're, or you're bending, you're bending, you're bending, and then you're going to break? Like everybody knows that they're going to equalize or they're going to take the lead. Like in the Fiorentina game, once we missed all those opportunities, we, everyone sensed they were going to take the lead at some point. Everybody sensed that they were going to equalize with the way that we were just dropping back and allowing them to put pressure on us. And like Mo said, cross it in repeatedly over and over again. Of course, the ball is going to end up in the back of the net at some point. So it's like, if we could see this and sense it, how, how do you not? 
And why do you use the substitutions that you use and bring on players who offer you nothing going forward? And I'm sorry, but Galliardini, what does he offer you defensively to even merit getting a, a, a cameo in this in this game? Whether it's Salernitana or not, obviously we reel against the, the teams that are considered beneath us. But if we keep going at this rate, we're going to be the team that everyone's going to think that they could just leapfrog and, and get to Conference League, Europa League, whatever it may be. So... I'm sorry, your time is up. I, I, he brings nothing to it. Ten losses, man. How do you lose ten times in this league with this? I'm, whether you think it's on paper or not, truthfully, we should we we should be performing with the the players that we have. And he did get a squad that was strengthened from his first season here. So I want to I want to pose a question to you guys. So Nima posted uh, a graphic today showing that against Spezia, Porto, Juventus, Fiorentina, Juventus again, and Salernitana, we had a higher expected goal uh, than the other team. Yet these were games that we not did not get a result in. At this point in time, I do believe that there's a share of blame to go here. But at this point in time, who carries the more more blame, Inzaghi or the players that are not? putting the ball in the back of the net as simple as when you have one or two players not performing you can point to them but if i have a whole team not performing a coach is not a coach by himself a coach comes with his staff nutrition fitness coaches medical staff if a whole team lack comfort therapist is a whole team is lacking confidence if a whole team is lacking fitness is a whole team is not defending well and not playing like a unit I'm going to point to the coach. Even if the players don't put the ball at the back of the net, but it's the whole team are not playing well. So for me, I'm looking at the coach because if it was one player, I would say, yeah, that player let us down or that these two players are letting us down. But we're sitting here criticizing more than half the squad. It's impossible for me to sit here and blame half the squad because this squad, they're winners. They won Scudetto before. They won the cup. They won the Super Cup. The, we have winners. The problem is it's either him or his coaching staff, which is for me, they are part of, of him as a coach because he's the face. I would blame the coaching staff and the coach. I 100% agree. You know, like, yes, yeah, players are, certain guys are not finishing their opportunities. You know, you got guys missing sitters, and that happens. You know, that really does. That You don't blame the coach in those instances, but, I mean, I'm just going to echo literally everything that, that Mo says, you know. And, and realistically, you look at this club and you look at every player, who has improved under Inzaghi? Aside from Hakan, can you truly think of, a, of any player who's been able to elevate their game or, or, or improve from when they first arrived at Inter? I, I really can't think of anyone. Everyone, in my opinion, has regressed. Lukaku is a shell of himself. Barella has kind of like, I guess, maybe stayed the same, but it looks like he's stunted his own growth. You know, Brozovic looks like he's regressed, and I'm not just going to blame that on his age, even though you, you could point to that as a factor. Um, DiMarco, nothing. De Vrij fell off a cliff. Skriniar, I mean, I don't even know if he's really an Inter player anymore at this point. But, like, Lautaro, I don't really see much improvements. In fact, he's definitely regressed since last season at the very least. I mean, it's just, what are you, what are you doing? Who have you really improved? And how do you still have a job under these circumstances? Like, I, I, I love everything that Massimo Moratti has said, where he, you know, he basically puts all the blame on Inzaghi. He does not like him one bit. And that, for me, that's why he's always going to be my president. Um, I'm sure he would have fired him. I think he would have fired him truthfully after the Udinese game. I don't think he would have put up with those, those losses and definitely losing to clubs like that. I think he would have done that. And, and who knows who he would have brought in. Probably somebody terrible anyway, because that was kind of like his reactionary takes. But he loved the club. Moratti. He always wanted to see them improve and see them su be successful. We don't have that with our ownerships, and they're they're fine with a manager who seems apathetic towards the club. For me, you know, we have to talk about the directors and ownership as well. You know, everyone knows that Suning is not willing to sell unless they get a certain number, whatever it is. But ownership and the directors have to take responsibility because there's a couple things that really, really stand out to me. One. You've put the club in a position where you can't get rid of a manager who's unable to go after the objectives that you set for financial reasons. You have to understand the reason Zagi is still here is because they don't want to pay him, you know, the, the severance fee, whatever it might be. He's there strictly because they don't 
want to pay out of pocket for Inzaghi to leave, number one. Number two, the directors, you, by not being, you know, in front of the cameras after these games, um, you know, to tell us that this is unacceptable, by continuing to keep Inzaghi in the role that he's in, you're telling us that this is acceptable. Ten losses in the league is acceptable. You know, falling out of top four position, playing that this poorly for two months is acceptable. A manager who can't change tactic is acceptable. And that's a horrible message to be sending to, you know, the rest of Europe to be sending to players who you're trying to, you know, get on a, a free agent contract. It's a mess. It's an absolute mess. And the thing that kills me week after week is the inaction that everybody at the club is taking. From Inzaghi not changing tactics, not changing personnel, to the directors not changing the coach, they're just they're letting it be known that everything that's been happening over these last eight, nine, ten games, whatever it's been, it's okay. We're okay with this. That their silence is deafening in that respect. Yeah, uh, these owners are holding us hostage. They're holding the club hostage, and I said that before. Uh, they are the ones in debt. The club is in debt, and they don't want to sell because they don't want to lose money. But you mismanage the club. For me, the Corva Nord and the fans should boycott the stadium and force them to sell on a lower uh, price. Uh, Mike Ashley was holding Newcastle hostage as well, and the fans, with the protests and everything that happens, he sold the club at the end. I don't care about the Chinese owners, to be honest, because I have nothing against the Chinese, but it's the country that is forcing them not to invest. So they have to sell the club, and I don't think we're going to progress. It's bad enough that Italian football are going backwards and Inter are going backwards even faster. So if every year Italian football are going back two steps, Inter are going backwards four steps. And I'm glad that we had Conte for two seasons because that saved us. To be honest, these two years put us back in the picture with big with big clubs around the world. If we didn't, and, and thanks to, to Suning at that time because they invested and invested. But at this point, okay, you can't invest. This is Inter, a big club, you need to sell. The problem is with all the talk about the money that happens, it reflects on the squad. It reflects on the coach. It makes it look like they only want to cut their losses. They don't care about anything else. And the players feel it. The players feel that their superiors in the club, they only care about cutting the losses. They don't care about the progress. They don't care about the project. Because for the past 18 months, all I'm hearing is, we're losing money, we're losing money, we need to catch up with the loans. Nobody talks about progress. Everything, everything about a project is like within limits. Everything is followed by the word within limits. Oh, that tells the players... Everything is going to be within limits, so you don't have to work as hard because we are limited. Exactly. Like it just—it sounds like they're just going to, you know, if I'm a player and I'm hearing these things and I'm hearing my ownership not really take things seriously. I'm at, you know, my my owner's birthday party and he's talking about everyone please leave five euros at the door so you know Alcilio can can spend money in, in the transfer window. That that's embarrassing. Like you can't, you can't, you can't tell me that that's funny in in any way. Like I would be embarrassed. That that might have been honestly the moment where Milan Skriniar was like, "I'm out of here." Like you know, people say like, "Oh, it was it was November." Like he decided then, and that's why. You know, I, I'm sure you know he may have been really truly leaving that door open and hoping that they may have come to terms. But hearing that, you're literally standing right behind him, and you hear that, I'd be like, "All right, yeah, no, it's it, this isn't this isn't a serious project. This isn't for me." And the thing that I'm worried about is a mass exodus. You know, like what? It, what if after Skriniar, Bastoni's like my contract's renewed. They're not even coming up to the money that I want, and he may be asking for a ridiculous sum because he's he is an interista. But he's like, if I'm gonna suffer with this club, I want to at least be compensated to deal with you know maybe missing out on Champions League and, and having to be in Europa League at best maybe because it seems that that's where we're heading to be quite honest. And then if he let's say he decides to leave and doesn't want to renew and we sell him, does Barella want to leave because they're good friends? And does everybody does, does every all these dominoes start falling and then we end up you know with a bunch of players like Kuzmanovic coming back and, and now and now we're not even able to compete in any form, not even just a league. Forget about Europe, you know, we're probably not competing anywhere if we allow it to get that bad. So I mean, I I agree with Mo. Like we have to get to a point where like as fan. The problem with Inter is we are so loyal to this club. We really are. Like, I mean, you look every game sold out. It doesn't matter who we're playing, what what position we're in the table. 
people come in droves, they need to organize and not come. Because the only way they're going to stop or they're going to be forced to sell is if you start hitting their pockets. And right now, they feel like they can just kind of coast on by and they're fine being mediocre. You know, Stephen Jang talks about like, oh, we're going to remain to be competitive. What's competitive to you, Stephen? You haven't really come out and explained what competitive is. To me, competitive is winning trophies. And I'm not just talking about a Supercopa because to me, that's nothing. You can give me, you could have given like literally gone to a trophy shop, just engraved Supercopa on it and it would have had the same value to me. That's a one-off. It doesn't matter. You didn't really have to compete for anything. The second star is important to me, and if Milan beat us to that, I'm going to be very upset. It doesn't look like it's going to happen this season, but with the way we're trending, if they continue to keep going up, it, it could happen sooner than later. We're not going to really truly... I mean, we were given a gift by Otavio to get the red card in the, in the round of 16, because had that not happened, we wouldn't have gotten through Porto. I'm sorry. They would have scored eventually, and they would have, even if we went to extra time or penalties, they would have beaten us at some point. So we, we got here by the skin of our teeth. We're in the quarterfinals. But after that, are they satisfied with just that? You know, a couple extra, you know, million dollars, and they're like, "Oh, that's fine." You know, we but we didn't budget for this, so it, it sounds good now. No, no, no. I want to be competitive on three fronts. I'm not saying I want to win all three. I don't want to win trebles. That, or, I mean, it would be nice, you know, but I don't think it's realistic. But I want to at least be able to truly be competitive in each each tournament, whether it's the the, the Serie A, whether it's the Coppa Italia, whether it's the, the the Champions League. And truthfully, I don't really care about the Coppa Italia. I'd rather have one of the other two that I mentioned. But we, I don't see a clear project. There is no plan, you know, and, and, and Inter fans want to believe that there is a plan. Whether, you know, if you told the Inter, Interiste that, hey, you know what, we are hitting reset, we're going to be selling all our key players and starting with youth, and then we're going to be able to build and grow them and then sell them off for higher profits and, and kind of replenish, you know, in, in maybe a Dortmund fashion, but be more competitive than Dortmund is. Maybe that's something we can get behind and believe. If you know, if it takes a year or two or something, you know, we we suffered through what seven, eight years. Well, really, seven, eight years of a banter era to get back to Champions League. I don't want to go into that big of a dark spell. But if you gave me two, three years and, and being able to build towards something, then it's okay. But obviously, there is no plan with the these this ownership group. They need to get out of here. I don't care who comes in and buys, as long as they have people in place who know what they're doing because i also don't want to end up like chelsea where you get all this money but you don't know how to properly spend it and invest it and now you're still sitting 11th in the table like that's pathetic too so i mean there has to be someone out there who looks at this as a potential for a long-term project and can actually develop it and hopefully start you know reaping some rewards yeah, and it makes you sort of look back at the trophies that we have won during the Inzaghi tenure. Like, all I can think about is, you know, Jang wanting to be... He's a young guy, right? He's, like, you know, early 30s. Jang being there and, like, crying after the Coppa Italia win. Do, do you, would you have ever have seen Moratti on the field crying with the guys after a Coppa Italia win? It's like, you know, for him, it's all about... It's the ego of... Because you've lifted the, Super, the Italian Super Cup and because you've lifted the Coppa Italia. Like, that's what it is. You had the reason why Conte and this regime were never going to end up working out is because he demands, like Johnny, like you said, real competition, and they're not in it for that. They think the you know the super cups are gonna hold us over. It's not. It's not. They can't continue to put this product out on the field. And, you know, we don't have the funds right now to bring in a, a real manager. Are you Am I to believe that Kivu, the treble-winning defender that's in the Primavera, wouldn't get more of a reaction out of these guys? When I think about the players coming into the tunnel at halftime, you know, to have to look Kivu in the eyes, um, you know, and, and explain their performance as opposed to what we hear from Gosens that Inzaghi doesn't even talk to the team. It's pathetic. Like, at this point, I'd rather see that than continuing to see this, this piss-poor uh, performances from, from Inter the rest of the season. It's not only about Inzaghi. To be honest, I feel like if we let Inzaghi go and get somebody else, it's the mentality of the hierarchy at Inter that is a massive, massive problem. But again, I don't think we should sack Inzaghi now. I think we should keep him the next game because who is going to come and, and get a tune out of these guys? Again, it's Benfica. We have a chance of going to the semifinal of the Champions League and also the final. We have been handed a route that we couldn't have dreamed of to be honest but i would keep in zaghi the problem is if we don't win the champions league and okay just to be honest our odds we are two percent to win the champions league guys this is the reality just just put that in perspective and 
if we don't get top four, where do we go from here? Because I only see one way. It's going downhill from here. It's going to keep going down. And I don't know how to solve this other than getting a genius. Getting someone like Pep Guardiola when he took over Barcelona in 2008. And I don't think we have that genius in Italy. <laughs> I, I don't think so, to be honest. We, we don't have that genius. So it has to be with money. There is no other way than money. And we don't have the money. It's, I think this is a dead end now. Uh, Gianni told me before, this is sucking the love of the club out of me. It is. I'm watching the game today and my body feels the pain, but my brain is thinking, you deserve this. You're sitting here watching this team and you're praising them. I went to Italy to attend game from America, right? You deserve this. You contributed to this. And every fan that goes to the stadium is contributing to our misery and their misery as well. There has to be a way to stop these people. I don't care if they lose money. I don't care if they lose half a billion dollars because daddy bought this guy a toy and he screwed it up. So daddy has to lose money. It's as simple as that. I mean, that's the, yeah, it's perfectly said, truthfully. Like, uh, daddy needs to take away this present and, and kind of just cut his losses at this point because it's going nowhere. And the reason that, that Zhang was probably crying is because he knew that that's it. That's the last trophy he's truly going to win, you know, like, and, and, he's, and they're okay with that. It's, it, it's like, it's just decaying from the inside out and there's no cure for it. Like, there, it, it feels like there's no hope on the horizon. We're literally sitting here in spaces and talking amongst ourselves and saying that we're hopeful for the, them to default on the loan. Like that, that's what we're looking forward to. Not, not competing for school that those, not, not signing a marquee player. No, no, no. We're way, we're counting down the days until Sooning can default on this loan. Like this is how far we have fallen. And it's heartbreaking. It is like, I had no interest in watching today. I didn't really want to watch. I didn't even want to do this podcast, to be honest, because I'm just I'm in such a bad mood with this club. Like it just it it drains the the life out of me, and I don't know why I keep putting myself through this week in and week out to watch a club that just doesn't seem to care. You know, we said it, Mo, in, in the spaces. We care. We feel more than the players on the pitch do. It bothers us more than what what they they they, they show no signs of life. You know, Jekyll was fired up, and I, I was I was truly, I, I liked it. When he was fired up after the Juve game, and even though he didn't play today so really that much, I can't really fault him, but, but, but there was no reaction today. We should have come out and just hit the gas and throttled them 6-0. Like, we should have been so fired up from that game. And then to hear, you know, people say, like, oh, they're only going to get hyped up for, for Champions League. Well, then I don't want you here. I don't want you here. If you can't get you know amped up to put on that that kit, wear that badge, and and represent Inter Milan, then I do not want you at this club. I don't care who you are. I don't care if you're Lautaro, Bastoni, Barella. I don't care what your name is on the back. If you don't care about the name on the front, get out. Truthfully, that's how I feel. And it doesn't like you know, uh, I kind of got into it with Nazario today about about some stuff with that. And I'm not trying to romanticize. I and mean, maybe I used the wrong word with him too. But it's like. It feels like they don't care about Inter. They don't care about the fans. They don't care about the club. They only care about their next paycheck and where it may came, where, where it may come from, and that that's not the kind of mentality I want here. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's it's I I really said it before. Maybe I have preferences in terms of players, but I really don't care about players. I, but I think the only player that I cared about at some point was Zanetti but even at Zanetti at the end I was like please stop don't make me hate you because I care about the black and blue more than anybody else uh, I don't I don't like players I don't care about players players come and go and the club stays I've been supporting this club for 25 years and I have seen the Ballon d'Ors and I've seen the Kuzmanovic and and the Jonathan so I've seen everything <laughs> <laughs> seriously I've seen everything at this club <laughs> Um, I I don't know. I f I feel like maybe we should get somebody else at the end of the season that is more of like the Contes, the Mourinho's, and maybe deal with them as listen. You're not gonna have money. You're just gonna have these players, and you're gonna work. Are they gonna accept it? You gotta beg them, kiss their feet, and give them rings, give them jewelry, do something. But just get these guys because it's the only way you're gonna change this club into a winning mentality again. We were known 
in 2020 and 2021 as the winning mentality club as the Juventus of the 2013-14-15. We were known of the winning mentality guys that want to win every game, even if we play bad. And that's due to Antonio Conte. And we need that. At, at Mourinho was a winner. Antonio Conte is a winner. Inzaghi is not a winner. And Conte wa worked with Suning, despite all the limitations. And yes, they invested in everything, but you can tell that these guys are in it for business. I think Antonio Conte, if we beg him, might come to Italy because and, and coach us because there's nobody else <laughs> for him there and he wants money. So maybe we sign a one-year, two-year contract with him. Maybe that's the solution. But I don't see the light at the end of the tunnel. And it's just, it's sad and it breaks my heart. The problem is the football doesn't look good on TV or in the stadium and the team is not winning. So back in the days, it was... The team was, w they, were, they were winning, but the football looked terrible. Now, everything is bad. We're not even winning. We, we are the laughing stock of Serie A. I go to do podcasts with the Premier League guys, and the first thing, they laugh at me. They laugh at me, and it's sad. Yeah, no. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, you know, I've always been the optimist around this club. Like, it's just in my nature, but I've never felt... I've never felt this way um, about the team in terms of, like Mo, you said it, not seeing a light at the end of the tunnel. I, I don't know how we get out of this. You know, I'd like to think I, I would bring back a Conto and Mourinho, but would they want to work? <laughs> would they want to work with uh, the ownership structure as it is today? It's it's a really sad state of affairs, and I don't. I, you know, I think the players need to need to try to save us from this situation. Just give everything that they have, because I'm sure that they know that there's not going to be a change in in the manager and the coach of the team. Um, but play for for a little pride, and you can see it in, in the gestures that Jekko is making. Like nobody want the players don't want this to be happening. They don't want their time at Inter to to flame out like this. And they really, as much as they've been run down by Inzaghi this year. They are the only shining light out of this at this point, aside from a sale, you know, aside from the club being sold. Um, but, I, you know, I don't think we're going to hear any news of that until until the summer. But for the rest of the season, you know, boys, just go out there and, and give this may be the end of your intertenure after this year. Just give give it everything that you have, because um, the fans, you know, like like we've said earlier, we're still filling up the building. We're still talking about it. We're still supporting every single game. Um, you know, do do it for the fans. Um, it's just tough, man. Just tough. <laughs> they sucked the life out of us, people. Yeah. They sucked the life out of us. It's it's sad. But to be honest, I still look forward to the game on Tuesday. I want to watch it. I look forward to it, bro. I haven't seen Inter in the quarterfinal since 2011. We got slapped oh, <laughs> by Schalke. But I listen, that's how much I love the club. There's going to be Bayern Munich playing Manchester City on the other side. And I'm doing a watch along. And I'm ignoring the Man City Bayern Munich game completely. Normally, I would put both games. No, I would watch only Inter. And I would do a watch along and I would support. And even I would be fasting, but my blood pressure would be okay. And I'm hoping for a win away, to be honest. You enjoy pain. You enjoy suffering. Good for you. Good for you. I, I mean, obviously, I'm going to watch, too. I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I'm not. But I'm going in with zero expectations. I'm expecting to get hurt. I'm expecting to be angry and wanting to punch my, my laptop and my TV and everything. So... Benfica has some real players, man. They're they're a good and, team. And they just lost to Porto. So what are they gonna do? They're gonna come out pissed. They're gonna come out yeah. pissed. As like like Mo said, you know, we got so lucky. Benfica is probably thinking the same thing. <laughs> they're probably thinking the same thing. This is they're playing a team that's damaged mentally, that's damaged emotionally, and they're probably feeling very confident as well. Um you know, let's see. Again, we're looking for catalysts to turn the season around, and a Champions League win away from home is is you know could be just that. Um, I want to toss you guys a question here. If there's only one move that you can make for the rest of the season, you don't get to you don't get to say, okay, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. It's only one move that you get to make for the rest of the season. What would that move be? 
right? It could be you're changing ownership, but you don't know what, what ownership is going to come in. It could be sacking Inzaghi. You don't know what coach is going to come in. It can be, I'm going to play this one player for the rest of the season. What is the one move that you would make right now to turn this season around? You go, Mo. Uh, just change the ownership now. It doesn't matter who comes because that has like that that effect will be for this season and next season. I don't care about anything else. And and for me, it's it's gonna be I I will banish Dumfries to the Gulag and Belanova will be the starter every game for the rest of the season. For me, it would be moving on from Inzaghi. I really wow, think okay. any answers. other option, any other option would. Uh, would do better with this team at this point. Damn it. I don't want to do these fucking sad podcasts anymore, man. I'm tired of this shit. It's killing me. It is killing me. You will celebrate on Tuesday. It's it's Alessandro's fault. He's the one that wanted to start an Inter podcast. (laughs) I answered the tweet like an idiot. I didn't tweet it. It wasn't me. Oh, shit. It's fantastic. It's a fantastic (laughs) podcast. And uh, thank you guys for inviting me. No, no, I haven't done an audio podcast for like two years, or two and a half years. Or Perfect. Something, so. so that's it. We're getting we're getting you back. I'm going to I'm going to tell I'm going to tell Anthony we're stealing, you now. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's easier to talk on the audio than actually doing the video. However, when you do the videos live, you see the reactions right away. Yeah, from you the do. People that the comments. So it's kind of different. But I love it, guys. I, I enjoyed it. It's sad a little bit. But for every Inter fan out there, hold on, stay tight, hold to the straw. It's going to be better. Some year, I've been a fan of this club for many, many, many years. And I saw a lot of ups and downs. And when the ups come, they are joyful. You'll love it. You'll cry. You will love it. It just feels like I haven't loved it since 2010. (laughs) That's, that's that's what's upsetting. No, Antonio Conte, the Scudetto was absolutely fantastic. But like you know, what, I think I, I think not that it doesn't mean it, but I think because nobody was there to enjoy it, and that you didn't get to see you know them panning to the crowd and, and people being excited and joyful and tear like we experienced that in a, in a in a strange time, obviously in the world, it wasn't the same thing. I mean, I love. Was in 2021. It was 21. Wasn't there? There were fans on the stage. But it was like I think it was only 1,500. Like I'm talking about like there wasn't 75,000 people there going great. You know, like it's it just. And it's also it's also like how quickly it collapsed. Like how it just felt like it came and and went. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but it did collapse in 2011 as well when we didn't sell the Micons, the Melitos. Yeah, but like we didn't sell these. But it wasn't. We didn't expect. I don't know. It, it just wasn't such a, a decline to the point where there was nothing, you know, no no hope. You know, there was still, you know, we still won the, the, the Club World Cup that year, even though Benitez was terrible and he left shortly after. There were still remnants there and there was still a winning mentality for the most part. Yes, we finished second, but there was still a little bit of hope and stuff, stuff to cling on. Yeah, we probably should have sold certain people, but... Now it's like we thought after winning that one with Conte, we were going to continue to grow, you know. And it, yeah, and that, that a cycle had started. Yeah, that one of the things that I during the Banter era, these ten years that we didn't win, I was every year looking forward to next year. Every single year, it didn't matter if we finished tenth, ninth, eighth. I'm like, next year will be better. I'm not looking forward to next year. I'm really not. <laughs> Which is sad. During the Banter era, people cared. The hierarchy cared. The e- even Eric Tohir cared. cared. He wanted to do better. Yes, the coaches cared. I think that this period, we have never seen Inter this bad before. It's not on the pitch, not on the names. It's about the, the, what what I mean, the future, what like the light. I don't see it. During the Banter era, I swear. I was like, next year will be better. We'll win Scudetto. I thought the next year will win Scudetto every year. Me too. No, I did too. Every I, time we brought in, we brought in Jan and Villa. I was thinking, yo, this guy's gonna be the best midfielder. The next we brought in Condogbia. I'm like, here we go. Here we, it's starting, guys. We're back, you know. And that's the difference. That's the difference, Gianni. Now we're looking at times. We're like, before the season ends, your management or your ownership, they are telling you you're gonna get worse. Your ownership are publicly telling you this. 
It is so sad. It's unbelievable. Like my ownership is telling me, oh yeah, listen, this year if you finish fourth or fifth, we still have to get rid of players and we can't <laughs> invest. So embrace for impact. It's not going to be great. Sorry. <sighs> well, All right. it's, you know, hopefully not going to last that much longer. Mo, plug your stuff, man. You're, you're great. Thank you for, uh, for coming on. No, just if you want to do, a, if you want to watch me and watch along inter-worldwide, you get the raw emotions, the cussing, the everything on screen, the, 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 the joy, everything. And if you're a fan of the Premier League, you can find me on most of the podcasts, the Premier Leagues, on Never a Foul, on the Football Terrace, on Grace Khan. And, but inter-worldwide, if you're an inter-fan, watch along. We'll meet Tuesday when we win against Benfica. In Portugal. Oh shit! Oh shit! We lost Johnny. We lost Johnny, but fine. Yeah, fine. Johnny was just saying he's gonna put uh, all of Mo's stuff in the link with the podcast. Um, Mo, thanks again, man. Really appreciate, appreciate it. it. We'll we'll have a conversation in the future that's much happier than this one. I I promise. And hundred uh, percent. As we always say in the words of the great Roberto Scarpini, Forza ragazzi, forza ragazzi, forza ragazzi.